What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, November 20th, 2022, and this week's episode, the PFL Pay-Per-View Experiment. We'll recap a very eventful weekend in mixed martial arts. UFC Vegas 65 got a new main event, and it did end in the highlight reel finish that we all expected. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news, the results from Bellator on Friday, and how it sets up a big event at the beginning of the new year. We'll talk about one of the biggest stars in mixed martial arts responding to one of the top contenders in the welterweight division. And we will cap it off by previewing this coming Friday's event, the PFL 2022 regular season finals, and the highlights from the card. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. This is uh, Thanksgiving week. I'm ready to eat. Are you looking forward to, uh, I don't know, is there anything you like to do on Thanksgiving? I know you're not necessarily diving into a, a plate full of pumpkin pie, but uh, what do you like about this, this week, this time of month? This is very true. If you haven't heard our previous Thanksgiving episodes, we're not really, you know, all the trimmings and the trappings, we're not really that traditional kind of family. That being said, um, I always appreciate a nice day off like the next guy. Yeah. And I will say that I am also, um, you know what, I'll be honest, sometimes it's nice to put on like the latest UFC event and just enjoy it, you know, with the fam and, you know, no pressure. You don't got to recap it. You don't got to this and that with it. You just get to have it on while we eat and it's it's good you know what i mean that's good man i like that nice and chill exactly but i really got to dig into this weekend of mma natalie yes sir set up another beautiful transition if i may say so myself oh yes you know i love a good segue on mma daily (laughs) um let's saturday so uh the main event first off um did, were you watching the prelims, or did you get it on social media that Derek Lewis was out? And what was your reaction? Oh uh, yeah, I saw, no, I was not watching the prelims, so I didn't even realize that it happened during the actual, like the card was already live, the fight was already live. Yep. Uh, they no, started was, particularly just, early. You yeah, know. it was. I just check. I regularly check in on uh, MMA fighting, and so I checked in, and I was like, oh, okay, wow, that's surprising, disappointing, really, extremely disappointing, I should say, because. Um, not only is Derek Lewis always exciting to watch, um, but the card was really, you know, talk about main event. He was like main event times 10 when you look at the rest of the card. So that was going to be the the real reason to tune in for me. And I wanted to see him get a win. I thought he would be able to. So triple disappointing. But um, and, and then when you find out that, it, I don't know what the issue is. Maybe there's more information out there, but it, it's like he's already getting cleared by the doctor. So what the heck was it that kept him from the fight? But then he was, you know, recovered so quickly. I mean, I don't know if it was necessarily recovered as much as, you know, did he just... Uh, I would hate... Uh, th- this sounds like such a cop-out. And when you think about being a UFC headliner, particularly the star power Derek Lewis, I mean, did he just get, like, really bad food poisoning? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Look, you're fighting at that one. O- yeah, you're fighting at one o'clock. If you're still throwing up at, you know, around ten a.m., you know, pretty bad. Yeah, you're probably thinking, yeah, this is not about to happen. But you know, put some fluids. You know, 
probably get to something to hold it down and all that stuff by five o'clock yeah you may be feeling better um yeah not right. not 100% but you know it's like it could be anything I, I'm pretty sure that it's particularly for Derek and you know just how I feel like he operates he knows that uh it's a big deal to go out there and make that extra money if you get the finish so I would imagine he wouldn't have pulled out unless it was something that was like yeah we're we're not gonna be you know in a good spot to do our best and try to make this happen so very disappointing I'm with you there it just felt I will say I want to acknowledge it felt very um emotionally felt very different because we're already in the middle of the card like I think that there was only maybe one more prelim left when they announced it um I personally I had checked in um people know I'm friends with Vanessa Demopoulos uh definitely so I tuned in but I had to get ready because I had a fight night. So I kind of tuned out of UFC and I was just like, all right, let me go do my stuff. And, you know, I'll check back in as it gets uh, later in the card before I go. And then, you know, on Twitter and it's like, oh, you know, announcement to the main event. And it's like, what? And then, you know, as it plays out and then it's like, dude, I imagine because in particular with the Apex, you know, it's under 200 people that could sit in there to watch right mm -hmm. they have like this little it it they don't really show as well unless they do the wide shot but it's kind of like mini bleachers set up around the octagon right yeah and so it didn't feel particularly full it never feels particularly full early in the night particularly for a you know i'll say smaller scale fight night but then you kind of got the impression are all these people who were maybe going to come late to catch Derek and then move on with their Saturday in Vegas, were they calling to try to get their money back? Yeah, good And point. I think that there was some talk about that. I didn't get an actual final answer on what they were doing, but I'm sure that had to have happened with a, at least a few people because, you know, with respect to the undercard, if you're talking about the casual fan, Saturday was all about Derek Lewis. And obviously you now know you don't get him and, there's likely a level of tuning out across the audience. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, for sure, dude. It's uh, this is one of those cards where it was it was just the Derek Lewis show, not to knock anybody else on there because there were some some good performances. Oh yeah, they they scrapped. Yeah, yeah, but that's not why we were tuning in. It was just the it, no, those are just like the cherries on top, right? Yeah. So. And like I said, with the prelims, it was like, oh, if you were planning to sit and watch Derek Lewis, you get the feeling people kind of like, oh, well, I might, you know, catch the highlights later. But yep. um, let's talk about the guy who did get to fight, Kennedy and Zechiku taking on Eon Kutalaba. Um, first off, great. To, I mean, Eon is like Francis Ngannou and all those guys. Those Those first 30 seconds, you just feel like you're you got to avoid the big rig truck running at you. Uh -huh. um, he was very uncharacteristically huggy and touchy-feely at the weigh-ins. Usually he's getting ready, and we've obviously seen, you know, he almost will walk right through you if you let him at the face-offs in the cage. Uh -huh. So, uh, look, started strong. Kennedy, though, I mean, that's a big guy, and that's a tough guy. I think he's built very long for that. I, I think he's actually built incredibly well for that weight class he's not i'll say absurdly tall like a johnny walker for example mm -hmm. johnny walker's just like a freaking skyscraper yeah. but kennedy just 
very long, very wide and built. And um, I think that that really helped him. It looked like he was just ready to deal with that physicality of Eon. Um, and then obviously as the, that round went on, he just starts getting his rhythm going. They get going. He has that beautiful, like, it looks like he's out of position, but he just sees Eon coming, sees the read and hits him with the knee coming in. And just really beautiful performance. He just looked dialed in, dealt with the early you know onslaught of eon and just uh got the job done i was very impressed what about you exactly very impressed eon he landed a few clean shots right off the bat and then went in for the for the clinch and i guess that was the smart thing to do because everyone's so you know they're, they're so fresh you don't want to get countered and then you know lights out but i kind of wish he had stuck with that game plan right at the beginning a little bit longer but he dominated the first round um but Kennedy man yeah that physique just he looked like he was in the next weight class above fighting against Eon because his limbs are so long and he's just so muscular and flexible so having long legs only helps you if you can get your you know your kicks up high and your knees up high and he was shooting hard knees from close range with accuracy and we saw what he did it was it was very very impressive and you know I'm thinking this is like his moment where I, to me, you know, there was definitely a promise. There were some great, awesome things he's been doing. But when I saw this, I was like, okay, this guy's like, this is serious. People need to start taking notice of Kennedy. And I hope that they did, especially since he got that main event slot. Now on the downside, on the other side of that is perhaps because it should have been Derek Lewis and you we're talking about maybe people tuning out as a result. Maybe he actually ends up getting less pop from this than he would have had he just been the co-main. But in any case, big, big night for him, I think. No, that's a very good point. I think that's fair to say. Um, look, he is the one that kind of the attention that was still left got funneled into. So I would like to think that it's still a positive nonetheless. Both guys entered unranked. So I would I just pulled that up two seconds ago. Where to go? Um, yeah, I mean, you talk about at the bottom of the light heavyweight rankings, you got uh, Dustin Jacoby, Khalil Roundtree, Jimmy Crute, um, Dominic Reyes dropped down after the loss to Ryan Spann. Um, you got to think there's an opportunity for Kennedy to get in there in his next fight. I think stylistically he makes for some fun matchups. And yeah, uh, after that one, I'm excited to see him. You know, I, I would love to see him fight a Khalil Roundtree, a guy like that who could bang and maybe try to push him a little bit more i think he looked like he was ready for that especially considering eon is a, a veteran of the game too yeah but yeah i think saturday uh the end result was just more about what we didn't get i think that that sort of dominated the headlines but uh full credit to kennedy he he didn't have anything to do with Derek lewis he just shows up and put in the work so congratulations mm-hmm um, Friday was a very eventful one in Bellator, two championship fights. We didn't really preview them. Um, obviously, things getting uh, more stacked as kind of these promotions trying to fill out the end of the year. But first off, Vadim Nemkov, Corey Anderson too. So Natalie, you'll remember at the earlier in the year in the spring, Vadim and Corey Grand Prix final. They get going, Vadim starts off okay, 
And then Corey's wrestling just seems to be too much for him. He's able to keep Vadim down, beat him up, soften him up. And then in like the third round or so, I think with like three seconds remaining um, in like the round, Corey lands an accidental headbutt that um, cuts Vadim. And then because it happened before the end of the round, the fight doesn't go to a technical decision. It goes to no contest. And you have that whole thing, like the ring girls had brought out the check with Corey's name on it because it looks like that should be a Corey win. And then the check goes out of the cage and, you know, and then it's like, well, now we have to wait several months for the, the end of the fight or, you know, to, to, for a conclusion, which at the time was super frustrating because it's like, OK, let's let's get to the next chapter. We felt like we know how this is going to end. We get to the rematch. Vadim Nemkov, very impressed with him. Um, you know, you always talk about how much can you improve fight to fight when you also have to nurse a cut and make sure you don't do anything that reopens it. Yeah. I was very impressed. I thought that he really dialed it in. Credit to Corey Anderson. He looked very tough. He survived, obviously, that whole the spinning, you know, wheel kick and all that. Um, but that was a, you know, Vadim Nemkov... He put in the work. He clearly figured out what he needed to to be dialed in, not just the takedown defense, but still put it together against a guy like Corey. Um, I mean, part of me even wondered, like, look, Corey was obviously so confident going into the first one, had to think he felt like he had this one in the bag going into the second one. And I don't know if maybe that element of surprise of Vadim improving so much between fights got him a little bit there when it all started playing out in the cage but credit to Nemkov he got the job done what about you yeah I think you're right I think he just was counting his chickens before they were hatched based on you know the the results in the first encounter the first fight and that's a common thing to happen you know you think you got your opponent's number and there's data to back that up but on the other side is Vadim saying, well, you got my number, you won't get me again. And we saw that. And that's disappointing, especially when, thank you for reminding me about the check and everything. That's like, that's kind of soul crushing, man, when you see that check right there and that gets pulled away from you and then you have to come back and do it all over again and you can't do it. That's going to burn. That's a bitter pill to swallow. So, you know, I think Vadim just looked better in all aspects and, and yeah, Corey, sometimes, oh man, it's like a, a mental block, you know, because, you know, there's just human nature. If there's anything you've ever had to do again that you already did once, but, you know, at the very end of whatever project you're working on, uh, you made a mistake and you had to scrap it and start over, like, you just don't bring that same energy. Not always, right? And I think that's what happened here. And, you know, maybe you can consider a rubber match because this is, technically the second time they faced each other but you know it's the grand prix and and so the next one would be probably not till 2023 and that's fine too but um i feel for Corey because he was he found the place to shine at bellator and this is a tough one this is a tough one for sure and i remember just talking to him before that fight and just like he felt like because remember at the time he was the last guy to beat glover tashira who was the ufc champion uh-huh. And so it just really was like, look, I, you know, I, I'm that guy who now, you know, has the, um, 
you know the edge and all that like mm-hmm. i i think i am the best guy out there that just doesn't get the credit and then he performs like it in that first fight and then this one you know scott cooker addressed it it's like look i mean you have to imagine that guy's gonna be kicking himself you know for a while over this one it, it's just like which one do they talk about dominic reyes it's like if he gets that decision over john jones things are different of course if Corey anderson doesn't land that headbutt for no, you know for another three seconds millionaire grand prix winner etc etc it, it's a tough one you know the trajectory right it, it just feels like that he's still got a lot of fight in him i like you said a rubber match i could see that coming down the line I think that he's still a big threat to all those guys at 205 in Bellator. But, um, you know, credit to Vadim. He's had a great record since, uh, I want to say since his loss to Yuri Prohoshka and Ryzen. So, mm-hmm. full credit to him. I did ask him, did he think, you know, he thought Yuri was going to beat Glover too and said, look, I mean, it would be nice if we could do that again. But, you know, kind of like Gegard Musasi being asked about fighting the UFC champ, it's like, that's like saying, I wish I was Santa Claus. Like, yeah, it'd be cool, but I, I know it can't happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that he's got a good head on his shoulders. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, he sets himself up. They brought him into the cage. He will be fighting Yoel Romero on February 4th as the co-main to a fight we're not going to talk about yet because we're going to talk about Usman Nurmagomedov beating Patricky Pitbull. And, you know, Natalie, I got to say, like, yeah, part of me wondered if this wasn't a little too much. I mean, Usman got there. Look, he was essentially more developed before coming to Bellator as opposed uh-huh. to AJ McKee, who was from the ground up. Yeah, of course. But I got to say, that young man looked fantastic against he did. him. He really uh, did. He really chewed it. I got to say, you know, maybe because of all of them outside of maybe Umar he fights very different than that really core contingent of the eagle team you know Islam more or less very similar to Habib um things like that uh Islam Amadov you know very heavy on the wrestling Usman looks so comfortable on his feet just chewing up Patricky with kicks he does dude it was impressive yeah, and just, um, look, when he got him on the ground, uh, clearly proved he was a Nurmagomedov, just started mm-hmm. smashing. Um, looked like he almost could get him out of there with more time, and uh, I believe it was the second round. Yeah, um, say by the bell, right? Yeah, and then just goes on, you know, just pieced up Patricky, uh, left him bloodied up, and just really wire to wire, got that job done as well. I was very impressed with the performance. What about you? extremely the 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 stand-up was my big takeaway because of yeah compared to other fighters from that school uh the khabib uh, javier mendez school usually it's wrestle heavy but surprising power in the hands and maybe slightly unorthodox fight style on the feet but now uh sorry usman looked slick on his feet he had a really cool almost like a not a quite a karate stance but it was it was halfway there he looks very comfortable. And then, of course, takes him down. It's all she wrote. The elbows. Uh, yeah, he really did get saved by the bell because um, that was, to me, seconds away from being called. Yeah, it was just a very impressive performance. Patricky, um, look, his career has been as stellar as his brother, but he's also a tough veteran who 
got to that title shot, you know, the long way. I think most people would, uh, you know, agree he was he's always been a top Bellator lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, their division, respectfully, they've been able to grow in so many. Like the welterweights were doing good for a while. Then obviously you add some more prospects at middleweight, 205, heavyweight, you know, obviously the lighter weight classes have had a resurgence. But 155, for some reason, like, they've always struggled to develop new guys. And uh-huh. they're working on it now. Brent Primus, Mamedov, obviously Usman in the mix. But, um, yeah, for Patricky to be right there and then Usman do what he did, that was very impressive. I want to bring up the fact he's 24 years old. Oh, I feel like, off the top of my head, I feel like not in UFC. If there is one in Bellator, I am... Uh, I don't know. I feel like even Alima McFarlane, when she got it, she was a little maybe 26, 27. I feel like this is the youngest guy to win a, t- a major title in a long time. Like, certainly up there with John Jones, who was mm-hmm. 23, right? So yeah. I want to acknowledge that he had a great run to get this thing. Um, Obviously, the Grand Prix is coming up next year, and... Now you talk about it, um, AJ McKee possibly being in there, Patricky, you have Brent, you have Benson Henderson, you have um, his teammate Islam Mamedov. Could they, you know, like, you know, all's fair in love and war kind of deal with the teammates? Yeah. I don't know, but it sets up for a very big year. But uh, tonight was his night. Uh, Team Habib, alive and well. You know, I thought it was just a very impressive win for the whole crew. I did too. It was a surprisingly strong performance. And uh, I think, you know, I got to tell you with Usman, I was like, I don't know what, I'm not trying to, you know, steal him (laughs) for UFC, but I liked his performance a lot. And I thought, I wonder what the, you know, the deal is there with his contract and, there's room for him in the UFC eventually you know he's he's looking good I'm sure they have their eye on him um I could see not that the lightweight division you know it certainly has uh, its hands full but someone that young that's already a champ at Bellator like that's very interesting addition to the lightweight division UFC at some point well I gotta think it would be a little similar to Michael Chandler like you gotta think Bellator would open up the checkbook to keep him if they reach that that being said, 24 years old, let's say he keeps fighting like this for another two and a half, three years. You got to think UFC would be willing to make a big offer, you know? I mean, he'd only be 27. Psh, plenty of time to still light up the the show, you know? So yeah. I think that that's a real possibility. I wouldn't rule it out if he keeps developing and going like he is. But um, no, really impressive. Uh, it was... We don't know when the Grand Prix will start. I'm assuming it'll be after, you know, the February event. So Bellator has, you know, I forget if they're on the same card, but obviously you have the semifinals of the Grand Prix. You have uh, the flyweight championship for the women. Uh, You have the New Year's Eve card. And now announced Fedor Melinenko's grand finale will be a rematch against Ryan Bader. On February 4th in, I love hearing this, Inglewood, California. (laughs) I love hearing that I get to sleep in my own bed. Let me tell you, Natalie. (laughs) I really do. I like Vegas. 
I've gotten to see some nice places. There's something about knowing where that I could actually get my food at my restaurant that I like to go to and then go to work. It's just something a little extra for me. But um, <laughs> no, look, so Fedor, back-to-back finishes, knocked out Rampage Jackson, knocked out Tim Johnson, Ryan... Obviously, he had his whole thing, went down to light heavyweight, lost it, came back up, defended against Moldovsky, um, defended against Czech Congo, and now a rematch of the Grand Prix final that took place, I believe that was 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I think there was someone else who was there oh, with yes. me. Um, I remember it vividly, yep. Something like that. I believe that's the first time I met you. Is that? Am I wrong about this? Um... No, you're not wrong. I believe that's that, Yes, the first time we met was actually at Fedor Bader 1. So, yep, you know. That was my, yeah, that's right. That was my Happy first anniversary, <laughs> my friend. I'll never forget the intimidating Russian entourage that accompanied Fedor. Holy guacamole, yes. They dominated open workouts, and literally the second Fedor was done, they left, and it was like. A completely different then it was back to like business as usual yeah but yeah so many so much russian media that could have cared less about everyone else on the card combined yeah. it was and very glamorous media you know they were all up ready to do their thing and then yeah dasvidanya see ya <laughs> uh, that is something wasn't it but no i thought um I'm a, uh, i'll say it at the time uh, the organization on that particular day it felt like hey like you almost have to like make Fedor do too. Have him do the Russian thing and then talk with us because Fedor only, I believe, he didn't really do much talking with the overall MMA media. Um, right, right, yeah. It was a whole day, but look, um, when you're Fedor, <laughs> you, certain rules don't apply. I have a lot of great video of me, like, you know, 20 feet back filming him talk to other people. So... It's okay. I feel like I go through that all the time, even still. But no. Um, so look, Ryan Bader did. Um, uh, he talked about it on his IG. He said, "Look, I'll be honest. I didn't really know about this fight because what do I have to gain from it, right? Mm-hmm. I got him. I'm still on a roll. He's only older since we fought, and you know maybe is needed." you know his own kind of resurgence right but Uh this isn't the Fedor heyday or even the Fedor of the Grand Prix that being said he said look I get to be a part of history twice I think that he saw it as like look you know in lieu of possibly other challenges this is a high profile potentially lucrative fight and I'm the favorite why not take it so it's in America by the way obviously you know Plans of having a Fedor finale in Russia due to the global situation were not going to happen. So I think for Ryan Bader, I get why he came to the conclusion to take the fight. If you're Fedor, um, you know what? Full respect. He gets to try to go out trying to really deliver on a big one. And I respect that. So power to him. I look forward to another good show. I think the pageantry when he fights, particularly for his finale... Is expected to be good let's do it what about you oh yeah let's do it for sure i have no issue with this in fact just just the opposite pure excitement fully endorsing this matchup for the final fight you know brian bader dispatched fader fairly easily right it was just a big looping overhand in the first round like there was hardly any time for anything else to happen great big victory but yeah, like you said fader has won a couple since then 
And I mean, there's, if there's anything that you can say about Fedor is that, you know, he's determined <laughs> and, and I mean, the most serious man in the world. And so I'm thinking if I'm Fedor, this is your chance to just let it all hang out, right? The final one, a chance for revenge. I'm not so sure this is going to be a walk in the park for Ryan Bader. And, uh, you know, we'll break it down when we get there. But this one gets me pretty fired up. It's it's almost like a reverse Rocky, right? Uh, because, because Fedor's Rocky now in this scenario. And uh, it could be something special for the forum. Tell you what. It's... Dude, I'm ready already. All right, are you ready? I'm ready too. Yeah, uh, and like I said, um, you got to think he's uh, he's got to feel good about the fact that um, his guy Vadim defended the title because now Vadim's going to be the co-main event against Romero. So oh, that's, that's fun they kind of get to roll together. You got to think. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, that that whole crew, kind of like the team Habib and all that, like many of them, but. I think in particular for Fedor, just the way he operates. If he was by himself, it was fine. You got to think, though, he's got to like the fact that Nemkov will now be rolling with him. So you feel like you got your crew there for such a big event. So I I think that's a good thing. For sure. Yeah. Um, Before we preview this Friday's pay-per-view, that's you don't hear that all the time anymore. (laughs) Um... Uh, Jorge Masvidal took to social media to address the callouts of Gilbert Burns. So Gilbert Burns had been saying that, look, they offered him or we tried to send paperwork for like October, November, December. And each time Masvidal either pulled out or said he needed more time. Masvidal goes on IG and says, I never signed or agreed to nothing. I'm sick of hearing about you. You want to do this, we're going to fight on the undercard of Usman Edwards 3 whenever they happen. So, um, I, I got to say, I think that there's been a lot of questions. And Masvidal did essentially hint at, you know, he's still de- dealing with some court stuff. I'm assuming that means the Colby Covington incident. But um, the fact is, he said, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with that. But if you want to get, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, this spring. Uh, what are your thoughts, Natalie? Because I think a lot of us are wondering, you know, both Jorge and Colby, two of the biggest names, biggest draws at welterweight, and yet since their fight, they have very uncharacteristically just been disappeared from the board. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to me, it makes sense that Masvidal is basically radio silent. You know, that's the smart move coming after coming off making probably the dumbest move in his career with that uh, off-the-books uh, um, fight. That unsanctioned bout. Unsanctioned bout, thank you. Um, I still think about that and I shake my head, man. Just pure, pure silliness. What a, what a, what a darn, I'm trying to <laughs> use all it, the... It was uh, a real facepalm. Yeah, yeah, big time, dude. And not only the act of, the act of, you know, ambushing him after a fight where you got beat pretty soundly but then immediately posting to twitter both you and your manager like little kids teasing na 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 um guys like did you really think you weren't going to get in trouble did you really think colby covington wasn't going to put it to you and go to the police because that's that's colby covington right at, at least that's the character maybe the guy who 
who behind the scenes of the the MAGA wearing MAGA hat wearing guy wouldn't have done it but I mean you left it right there for him and so honestly I don't I don't think we're going to see Masvidal fight this uh, 2023 like I just don't think we're going to do it and he's just only getting older with now last fight since March I think this is going to be when he looks back this is going to be the thing that ended his career um not because it actually kept him from fighting, but because it's not smart for him to fight with this case pending. And maybe, maybe actually legally, maybe there are some challenges there too. I don't know, man, but it's just such a, a silly move. And so when someone who cannot fight is, is yapping on, on social media, it, it really um, gets my goat <laughs> because I think if you can't fight, if you can't back it up, just keep your mouth quiet. Um, as for why we haven't from, heard from Colby Covington, Covington, that one I cannot explain, bro. Because if I'm him, I would be just like high fiving. You know, he got him now. He got Masvidal twice, but his silence is confusing. Masvidal needs to uh, Masvidal's silence up until now, anyway, was understandable. What do you think about the fight with Gilbert? And what do you think about them having to wait until, let's say, about late March, maybe April? Because Jorge hasn't fought since March with Colby. And the fight with Burns and Hamzat happened, I believe, in April. So it's about... You're looking at a year for both men, despite the fact that they both seem ready. Yeah, for Masvidal, I think a year off is way more harmful than it is for Burns. Burns just, I think, I don't know the age difference, but he's younger. I don't know by how much. Um, Masvidal, uh, and the fight is fine. I, I don't know why Burns is, is calling him out. Maybe he just thinks it's a big name and I, you know, I need to get a win back. But um, yeah, the fight is a fine fight. I don't, I think the only reason Masvidal is saying put it on the undercard is because he knows he can't fight anytime sooner than that. That's fair. I think that that's a good point to make. Um, I think that Burns, I don't know, it's tough. You lose to Hamzat, uh, you feel like a guy like, for example, Bilal Muhammad probably isn't interested. Uh, you got to think that, um, like you said, I, I think he just sees a stylistically better fight for him in uh, Jorge than potentially Colby, for example. Um, so I think that that's a good move. I think that he feels like the plans are just different for the other contenders he could call out so he feels like this is probably a good a time as any to try to get Jorge and for Jorge I actually think that this is a big deal I think that you know look he's lost three straight you know two to Usman then Colby for a top contender like Burns to be calling you out I think that that's not for nothing you know I think that's still a big fight for him so I think that uh he's right to kind of Stoke the flame, so to speak. So, um, you you talked about that guys who fight even though they're not fighting. Uh, uh-huh. Did you see Dylan Dennis got into it again? Oh Lord, he paid for it this time, yeah, though, didn't he? Yes, uh, with KSI. <laughs> but now he's actually gonna fight. Okay, so it he's works. gonna fight KSI in uh, the UK. So, um, I've seen K- KSI fight. He is a better boxer than Logan Paul, but um. Okay, so I'll be honest. Of the whole YouTube contingent, if I'm being honest with you, Jake is obviously the best boxer. I honestly got the impression that while KSI enjoyed it, 
this was always supposed to be a one-off kind of thing for KSI. Okay. He left the door open for good business because you never know, right? Who doesn't mm-hmm. like getting a big bag of cash? But um, I actually got the impression that like, yo, man, we're, I'm not trying to make this a thing. I'm doing my thing. Instead, uh, you got Dylan Dennis fighting a YouTuber in boxing. What do you think of that? It's silly. However, as you always say, secure the bag. And I guess that's what Dylan Dennis is doing. That's an easier fight for him since he hasn't actually competed in MMA in so long. That's an easier fight for him to get so that he can not have to, you know, so that he can get more money and not be um, embarrassed against someone in the MMA world. And I only say embarrassed because he hasn't competed in so long, and so I just can't imagine that he would have great success against anyone on the Bellator roster. But in this instance, you could say, all right, I'm a jiu-jitsu guy who's going to fight in boxing against the YouTube guy. And, uh, you know, your expectations cannot, should not be so high, but I'll make money and I'll get my name back out there. So it's a kind of a win-win for Dylan Dennis. Um, and it finally worked. Picking fights, uh, being a nuisance, finally paid off. He, he picked the right guy. And the video, um, you know, made enough noise that he's getting what he wants. If I'm Bellator, if I'm Scott Coker, I'm thinking, eh, I'm okay with this because, again, you're getting your name back out there against someone who can attract a good amount of eyeballs. Do you think KSI can attract more eyeballs to this event than Bellator can to just a regular card that they have? So, once again, um, the, the YouTube love is real. I've seen it. Yeah. I, I want to acknowledge that it's in the UK. Okay. I, um, not that KS... Look, it's the internet, which means he's big everywhere. 20, right. 20 some million followers is 20 million followers, whether it's English, Spanish, German, Russian, Japanese, Chinese, Australian, New Zealand, Africa. You know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, The fact that it's in the UK, where KSI's, you know centered and working out of i gotta think that that's a bigger deal i'll say it's not even though yes it will air worldwide i think they are targeting the uk fan base specifically so in other words it's like even though it'll be big in the u.s and maybe we'll cover it you know when i say we i mean like the mma junkies and all that yeah um they'll give it its coverage I feel like in the UK, a lot of the local uh, outlets, a lot of the ones that are more based out of the UK will give it its love because for them, to a lesser extent, this is their Jake Paul Anderson Silva. You know what I mean? Yes, okay. It's uh, like the last Tyson Fury fight, even though Tyson Fury is a big deal everywhere, that was such a UK show. He's English. His opponent is English. They're in the biggest uh, stadium in England. It, it, it was just, you know, um, God rest her soul. The only thing that the only way that card could have felt more British was if the queen was sitting in the front row. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. So I think that it's just like that. I think it's just really geared toward the UK audience, even though it'll be airing worldwide. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, so that, you know, interesting. I wonder if Scott Coker, 
are they cutting Bellator a check? Did they? Because Scott Coker sounded very flabbergasted on Friday after, because they asked him on Thursday before the fights, hey, what do you think of what's going on with Dennis? And then in the time, in the 24 hours after he gave that scrum, Dennis got into the scuffle. And they're like, did you see he got into another one? And Skakor's just kind of like, of course he did. <laughs> of course he's fighting for everybody except me for free. Of course yep. he is. So I would, I don't know how Dennis's contract is built. But once again, it's like, is he getting a check? Because the way Coker made it sound is that if Dennis fought Jake Paul, he would have gotten a check. So I wonder if Misfits Boxing respectfully which is not showtime or thriller did they send the check we'll find out ah okay interesting. there you go i'm yeah. sure bellator is the scott coker's like make sure that contract is uh st- stone uh, what is it stone clad <laughs> iron clad yeah. iron clad thank there you, you go, yeah. <laughs> stone clad would be brittle <laughs> i got you i got you oh man thanks for i got you bro anyway um this friday uh let's address the elephant in the room so we could enjoy the actual MMA because it's actually competitively a very good card. PFL announced the price for this Friday's Black Friday pay-per-view 2022 finals, 50 bucks. Your reaction to that number when you heard it? Uh, why? 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 So much money. Nineteen ninety nine would have been a good price. I would have even been okay with twenty four ninety nine. I don't think it devalues your brand to charge either of those prices. $49.99 makes me think either you're crazy, either you don't care about the results, or you really do think that this event is worth that much money when you know UFC is charging $74.99, and I'll tell you that's too much, right? I think that UFC is overvaluing, or ESPN, I guess they set the prices, is overvaluing the brand. But it's the biggest show in town. The names are the biggest, the best. You really are seeing the best, the best. So, okay, people pay it. $49.99 to see Kayla Harrison fight someone she already beat two times? That's asking a lot, man. That's asking a lot. I love to throw my money at (laughs) pay-per-views, whether they deserve it or not. I'm actually not sure what I'm going to do for this one. Um, meaning, will I pay or will I not pay? Will I watch or will I not watch? Because ah, it's a lot of money. I was about to say, did you just incriminate yourself no, on no, no. live internet? <laughs> no, honestly, we're good, we're good. I'm going to tell everybody the truth. I don't even know how to do that. So <laughs> that doesn't happen here. <laughs> I'm honest, Abe. If I don't pay your money, I'm not. if I don't pay you the money for the pay-per-view, I'm not watching the pay-per-view. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like, damn, man, that that stings. We're in a time of inflation. The economy's hurting. You know, holidays are here. I just would have wanted to be a fly in the room in that in that conference room when they decided on this price. Who had more more say, PFL or ESPN? And they must have had data that made them pick this number but how strong could that data have been man because this number confuses me and i don't know what the buys will be but is this all just to make kayla harrison feel good what do you think so 
some something has given at PFL. And one thing that uh, we've talked about, and I will say, it feels like perhaps live audience has improved for them in the past year. That being said, I think that no one would argue, no one would say that, oh, the gate revenue is covering those, how how many millions are they giving away? Six or seven? Right, Friday? exactly, yeah. The gate revenue is not covering that in the year, you know, just um, this, they, they go to smaller venues. Um, last year, it was all closed. Most of it was just closed, uh, closed door shows, closed house. Um, no audience and all that with COVID. Um, so to me, I, I will say that at a certain point, you they have to make revenue. Like, uh, I'm sure they have investors with deep pockets, but this is now season four, five? Yeah. This is now becoming, hey, you know, like, can we keep spending at this rate without having a really big, you know, really big change? Like, it's got to really spike. Because I think while the hardcore fans know PFL is out there and they see the clips... I think that whether it be the pacing, whether it be all this and that, the revenue, also remember they're on ESPN+, Plus, which is completely different than TV. Yeah. It's got to feel like, hey, this is, we cannot just stay this stagnant. Even like the, the last Kayla Harrison fight, it happened on the um, International Fight Week. It yeah, couldn't have happened right. at a worse time to get her attention. I, yeah. You know, it, it just flew under the radar. So I feel like that's the why. I can't imagine anything else why they wouldn't just wait to stack their card the way they want to next year with big names and whoever they could find on the market and really, really promote it from the beginning. Hey, this is why it's going to be worth your money and start this like three months out, two months out, whatever. The price. Um, I think it couldn't have... Look... 50 bucks less than a USC pay-per-view, but it couldn't be coming at a worse time. You're talking about literally Black Friday, the mm-hmm. one day of the year in America where everyone spends their money. Spends their money. Right? Traditionally. You're also talking about combat sports-wise. In the last month or so, we've had two USC pay-per-views that were huge. 280, mm-hmm. 281. You had Jake Paul Anderson Silva. Yep. Canelo's fought rather recently um tyson fury is about to fight in two weeks um it is been a busy busy weekend not weekend month in combat sports and now you're having this player try to break into pay-per-view at this particular week i think to me it, it just that alone is like oh I would have said, nah, this, I know they're bringing their big guns and all that, and it's the finals, and you have Kayla, and you have everybody. I just don't see, it's just falling at the wrong time to do it. And then my final point, trying to speak more as someone who understands what it's like to be a pain fan, as someone who has been there many times, as someone who is aware of what the chatter is online, do you remember when Triller actually sent out a thing that said, hey, 
if you pirated that event, we're going to find you. So send the money or we will take legal action. Yes, I do remember that. I remember this guy on Twitter literally tweeted out, hey, just so you know, I did pirate the pay-per-view and Triller still hasn't done. (laughs) Diddly squat. Yes. So I almost feel like if you fell for that email scare tactic that yeah. press release mm-hmm. you uh, I, uh, here's what i'm getting at the only people who are buying this pay-per-view are the ones who sent the money to triller i think that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I i just think that um i i don't see the numbers being successful i think that if you know it's only 50 here's the thing if it's too low I'll be honest, part of you might think, well, it's not even worth to watch it, let alone, quote, pirate it, stream it, what other, quote, extracurricular means you have of viewing this content. Yeah. And then, if, you know, at, at, so at 20 bucks, it isn't worth it. At 50 bucks, uh, I'll say it, Natalie, you got people who would put in $50 worth of work to avoid paying 50 bucks anymore. Yeah, pretty I'm being much. quite honest with you. And so I think that in that way, people talk about, oh, well, they should have made it really cheap. It's like, man, people would do the effort to not pay rather than pay the 10 bucks anymore. I think that that is honestly the mentality that many um, fans who do love the sport. But let's be honest, money doesn't grow on trees. Gas prices are going up. Um I, I really feel like that's a whole thing, you know? I, I really feel like just at this point, I, I don't see fans coming in droves to see it. I think that they would wait the two weeks until it comes out on ESPN Plus and it's, you know, the same way UFC pay-per-views work. Yeah. That, that That's just my final point. I just feel like the mentality of the fan base right now, the timing of the event itself, I think those two things in and of itself to happen on Black Friday, I, I, I just see this kind of feeling like the Titanic. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And and it feels like they're, I, I just keep going back to, you know, what was the motivation behind these choices? And I, it's just, you know, hey, Kayla Harrison, we said that, you know, to keep you, we would give you pay-per-view position. And if it was probably if it was value too low maybe she, i'm not blaming her but maybe she would feel like you guys don't don't understand what you have here you're undervaluing me so they did all this to please her is the feeling i get and it's going to please no one because fans will not want to buy this pay-per-view especially considering the atmosphere um the landscape that you laid out so clearly this is just a terrible time and a terrible price I want to talk about the fights because at the end of the day, I think that um, this is actually a really good card. I think that you've got to acknowledge the work that everyone here put in to get to the final. The fact that for a lot of these fighters, not everyone is Kayla Harrison who's making a big chunk of change, even if she goes out and just, let's say, let's say Larissa Pacheco zigs instead of zags and catches her. Kayla mm-hmm. Harrison still gets paid. Yeah. A lot of these other men and women... Uh, it's a different ball game. This is big money. This does change your situation immediately. Um, 
so let, I want to we'll talk about Harrison Pacheco, but looking at the card, I mean Delano Taylor who came in on short notice, and then you got Sadabusi. Um, I think that that's probably the biggest like oh you know like Cinderella story. Like I think that you start 2022, nobody knew who these guys were. Now they have a chance to really make a splash and make their name. I think that that's a big one. Uh, Steve Ray, uh, Olivier yeah. Aubin Mercier, both of them perform well in the regular season. Right. Um, Stevie Ray, I believe he kind of had to rally and get those finishes over Pettis or get the one, get the win um, to make it. And then Olivier, UFC veteran, just performed well and has really made the most of this opportunity. Um, you know, just a, a bunch of that. Jeremy Stevens is yeah. Jeremy Stevens. That's always just fun television, even though he's on the prelims. So he'll be on free TV. And uh, yeah, um, Brendan Lofnay and Bubba Jenkins, two vets, you know, they're going to get after it. They're going to put in the work. Marlon Marais. Yeah, uh, that's another good one, too. I mean, what stands out to you? What are you really looking at uh, on this thing? Well, Julia Budd, Aspen Lad. I'm just very curious to see how that shakes out. Julia Budd, um, you know, we know her, her history, her background, Bellator champ. I low-key and... wonder if the size is just too much for Aspen. That's like my one thing, like name value, it's good. But then I'm like, how much like weightlifting has Aspen Ladd really put in in like three months since yeah. that whole thing how happened? How's she going to get there to that? How's she going to get to the weight, right? And and yeah, since it, like it wasn't how long ago? It was three months that she got she got booted from UFC? It might be a little months. less, man. It feels like it was a little less. But that's fast to shake off the, you know, the, the dust from being booted from UFC having it be for the circumstances that you couldn't, you know, make the weight, that's, you know, whatever the reasons were behind it, that's kind of embarrassing. And so there's a psychological impact there that you have to overcome. Is this enough time to do that? And now you're going into this branded promotion on this big night on a pay-per-view, right? Whether the success, you know, the story will be told on the success of this night. But if you're a fighter on the card, I'm probably really excited. And I'm feeling a little bit of pressure. I'm a big name. I'm from the UFC. And you're fighting someone who's very muscular, uh, very, very experienced, and um, already has time in the in the cage there at PFL. So these are all things that are advantages for Julia Budd. And yeah, you're you're probably right. Aspen Lad might look bigger, but maybe not stronger. And and that'll be important to see. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a good one. Um, like I said, the fights just really um, they're they're. They're matched well. Like I said, everyone had to work and do everything to get here. But now, you know, it's like, all right, let, let's see if that's... Is that enough to draw the base, you know, the fan base? I don't know. But competitively, it should be a good night of fights top to bottom. Kayla Harrison, Larissa Pacheco. I mean... Uh, Larissa has been performing better. She has. But the whole point is that it feels like so has Kayla every time out. And I think that that's just really the big challenge to overcome for Larissa is the fact that Kayla just becomes a better version of herself, more efficient. You know, she gets better at transitioning from her striking to her grappling. She knows how to stick with it, what to do. Um, 
I will say, I guess the biggest growth is how good is Kayla Harrison's striking going to continue to be? Because the better the striking is, that just means that, you know, a, it's easier to get takedowns. Because if you get more and more worried about her hands, you eventually will make more mistakes to avoid the takedown. I think that's the biggest key I want to see. What version of her is she right now as we go to the pay-per-view model? She's heavily favored to win, and I don't expect something wild to happen. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you know, like, are we going to see that growth that makes me think this is a dramatically different woman than last year's final? Mm-hmm. That's a good point, you know. And how much does the growth or lack thereof have to do with the the caliber of opponent? Um, now, you know... Kayla, Pacheco, it being the third time around, I think it actually does add a lot more pressure. Now we're on the pay-per-view, which, you know, I I knocked it for like 10 minutes, and now I'm saying like, hey, you're on the pay-per-view, you know, this is a big deal. But you can't pretend that the words pay-per-view don't mean anything, whether people tune in or not. Um, So, yeah, Kayla is like plus 640, or no, minus 640 or something crazy, you know, (laughs) Uh, uh, odds. But you make a good point. Larissa's getting better. So is Kayla. But I always like to think psychologically, from a psychological perspective, you know, Kayla has this legacy to cement, to protect. And Larissa, you know, she's got nothing to lose. And so in in that situation, you can really just throw your hands and go especially because she is a better striker now and she's also still very strong. I feel like Larissa's going to just go out there and do whatever she can to avoid the takedown and swing. She's just going to be swinging, man. Because if she, if she strings together enough punches, this could be a very interesting fight. Um, that being said, I'm going to toss it back to you for your pick. Oh, man. <laughs> this, this is a really difficult one. I mean, could really go either way um look i i think the big thing is just um kayla harrison larissa pacheco has seen it three times but i think the same thing happens you got to deal with her physicality you got to deal with her grappling i'm sure Larissa's gonna be like conor mcgregor habib just so freaking ready for that first entry she's you know that woman has visualized that first takedown mm-hmm. attempt of kayla harrison so many times i'm pretty sure she, I'm pretty sure she could teach kids to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think this is where Kayla Harrison, let's see that striking. Because I think that if you could surprise her, if you could make her think for a minute, I'm not even going to try to grapple you for a minute. I'm going to try to hurt you with hands. Make Larissa commit to it. That's where the surprise is going to happen. Um, outside of that, you know, look, I think it, we've seen what Kayla Harrison wants to do. And I think she's going to do it. Um, you know, size, hands up, faint the jabs, get her hands moving, push her to the fence and go to work. And then if she gets on top, I think she could keep her there again. So, um, you know what? I'll I'll be honest. I always remember the first pay-per-view final, like all six title fights went to decision. Mm -hmm. That's right. Five, five minute rounds. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. I want a first round uh, submission. <laughs> I don't want. Uh, 
I like my MMA. I don't want to go through that again. Um, that like, don't get me wrong. It was a good night, you know, all this good stuff. I, please no. Um, uh, first round uh, submission, Kelly Harrison. Yeah, just put it out there in the universe, right? There we go. Let's get it. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a five rounder, um, but I think Kayla will do enough to get the job done. It's gonna. There's gonna be some moments in there though where she's not gonna be able to impose her will as much. Um, so yeah, I think Kayla wins by decision. But you brought up a funny point, which is I forgot about that. How drawn out it is, uh, because it's just all championship fights, and so it's five round. The potential for five round fights, you know, twelve five round fights. That's a lot. So, so you know, if you put it that way, if you do your MMA math, maybe it is worth fifty bucks. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I, it's here's the thing. Hold on, one, two, three, four, five, six championships plus the Aspen Lad Julia Bud is on the pay-per-view. So, like I said, okay, twenty-five. 50. This has the potential to be nearly a five-hour pay-per-view broadcast. Yeah, four or five hours. <laughs> You know, like your typical UFC, they're done in three. Just yep. keep that in mind. So yeah, yeah, that this will be um very interesting. Um, at least it, you know, it's Friday night. You know, Thanksgiving. You're not going back to work, people. Come on. That's true. That's true. There you go. Oh, they got to start the pay per view sooner. I just realized that. Like, you can't be starting this at 7. You got to start this thing at, like, 5, yeah. 6. Make sure I'm actually still awake, you know? Anyway, but, yeah, we'll recap the highlights, obviously, next week. Um, Natalie, obviously, we have Thanksgiving, but next week, the UFC goes to sunny Orlando. The welterweight bout between Stephen Thompson and Kevin Holland. What are your initial thoughts as we go into the weekend? This is a tough matchup for for Wonder Boy, um, only because you know he's getting older, and I know he's still fast and strong and all those amazing things. He's one of my favorite fighters, um, but it makes me a little nervous because this is kind of putting him in that gatekeeper position for Kevin Holland. So you know we'll break it down, but uh, but I love me some Wonder Boy. So you know it, it just feels like a crossroads about. Like everything you just said for Wonder Boy, and then mm-hmm. for Kevin Holland, it's like, look, man, like it feels like all these strong wrestlers just got your number. Mm-hmm. Hamzat Chimaev, you know, just kind of was like the biggest blatant example of it. Right. So I do sometimes. It's like, okay, like, are you gonna like? Can you show us that like you can actually bridge this gap with a camp and all that? Because I, I, I just want to throw out the Kev- the Hamzat thing. Because it's just like, dude, this whole, the way this all played out is just ridiculous, you know? So, I, I just want to see that. I want to see both of them be able to perform well. You never, look, I mean, it's tough to see a veteran go on. It's tough to see anyone on a skid, but particularly these guys who you got so accustomed to their success. It just feels jarring. So, I hope to see a good showing from Wonder Boy and for Holland. I know that's a cop-out, but I want it, so... <laughs> yeah. there we go um, ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for tuning in remember like comment subscribe we'll be back next week have a great holiday take care